in the midst of a brand new series called Navigate. Turn to your neighbor and say, Navigate. We're talking through the unique challenges that we face as human beings and the uniqueness of trying to follow Jesus in the midst of those challenges. Last week, we talked about the challenge, the difficult reality of other religions and the exclusivity of Jesus. How do we deal with Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you missed it, I'd encourage you to check it out on our YouTube or our podcast. This week, I wanna talk about something that I'm sure none of us have difficulty with and we all, it's easy breezy, but for your friend that might need it, I wanna talk about navigating conflict. Some of you were like, yeah, my spouse needs to hear that. My roommate, are you listening right now? All right, if you just nudged your neighbor, it's you, okay? There we go. John chapter four, turn with, you, turn with me in your Bibles and if you're ready, say, let's do this. All right if you insist. Jesus learned of this and left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. This is the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, a familiar story to some maybe. Now Jesus had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour or noontime. Now, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now, you need to know in the contextual reality here, nobody went to the well at noontime. It's just like, who hangs out and goes for a walk in South Florida at two in the afternoon? Crazy people, right? Nobody, because you're going to melt. This is the reality. This woman was trying to hide from her community, and the last thing she wanted to see was a Jewish rabbi. Snap. Jesus said to her, hey, can I get a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. I'm not gonna get into all of it. What you need to understand is there is a deep cultural religious rift between these two people groups. They do not get along. They do not relate. One sees the other as religious traitors. The other sees one as religious, prideful, hypocrites, arrogant. And she is like, what in the world are you doing? Back off, Jesus. Jesus said, well, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you ain't even got nothing to draw water from this well. She's like, what you talking about, Willis? I, I like this lady, like she's spicy. She's got, she reminds me of like the woman I married, like she might be Puerto Rican. She's got some, she's got some words to say to G, all the Bodeguas are like, amen. All right, I don't know if that was an amen point, but. She's like, listen, are you greater? And she tries to bait him. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it and he did his flocks and his, his, his herds? And Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I will give him will never be thirsty. Indeed, the water I give him will come into a spring of water, welling up into eternal life. Jesus starts preaching and offering hope and she says, sir, please, by all means, give me this water so I don't have to come back to this well in the noontime and sweat. Jesus is like, yeah, cool, go call your husband. She's like, oof, uh, about that. Um, I'm giving you my own version apparently here. 
She says, I don't have a husband. Jesus replied, yeah, you're right. You, you've had five, actually. And the one you're with actually right now, actually, is like Oscar from The Office. The one you're with actually right now, actually, is not even your husband. And she retorts, sir, I, I can perceive you are a prophet. Snap. She says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim to worship on, on that mountain in Jerusalem. Jesus says, listen, there's a time coming when, where you're not gonna worship on this mountain or that mountain or Jerusalem. Uh, there's a time coming where the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. That's what God is looking for. He is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And this is where it culminates. The woman says, listen, I don't know about all that, but here's what I know. When Messiah comes, the Christ, he's gonna explain everything. And a moment that would forever change the course of this woman's history and all of human history, Jesus replies, I who speak to you am he. Let's pray. Jesus, the truth back then is the same truth right now. All of our fountains and all of the wells and all of the water and all of the life-giving sustenance, it's found in you. Remind us this morning, convince us this morning by your spirit and draw us with your kindness. And if you agree with that, say amen. Turn to your neighbor, give him a high five, tell him get ready. I'm wondering if I got my people in the room this morning, if I have anyone who would be honest enough. You ever had, had a tough time handling conflict? Show of hands if you ever had a tough time. Hey, Sam, what's up, man? It's good to see you, Christelle. You ever had a tough time handling conflict? Um, I, I remember a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go over into our kids' ministry. And by the way, if you're a parent in here, let me just tell you, our kids' ministry is incredible. Like, they tell me all the time, yeah, you give an amen to that. They tell me all the time, they're like, Pastor John, we're not over there just doing babysitting, okay? We are making disciples. That was what we signed up for. Ordinary kids, compassionate followers of Jesus. And I am very grateful for that because I have two precious, amazing, lovely, not yet disciple children. Parents, can I get an amen? You're like, I love them, but they need Jesus. I was over there and I wasn't preaching. And so I was like, it was right before the back to school. And I was like, man, I want to go over and pop over into the kids ministry and just like encourage the kids, pray a blessing over them, commission them as they get ready to go into the new school year. And so I was over there and they were during offering time. And it was such a joy to get to hear how our kids ministry is communicating to our young people about offering. It's discipleship. Like they're moving these kids towards generosity. Justin, one of the leaders, I was kind of standing behind the curtain, ready to go. And he was just going. And you could tell it was one of those prayed through, thought through sort of communication moments. And he's like, listen, kids, this is about Jesus. This isn't just about money. He said, and he says, he says, listen, kids, Jesus doesn't need your money. What he wants is your heart. I was like, come on, Justin. And then I hear this voice that sounded so familiar to me. Speaking up loud and bombastically, no. And I knew. It was my son. And Justin is in this awkward moment of conflict with a five-year-old where he's like, uh, yes. And Liam's like, no, my, my five-year-old, now six-year-old, no. And Justin said, Liam, what are you talking about? And he said, Mr. Justin, if we gave God our hearts, they wouldn't be able to be in our bodies. I was like, Justin, God bless you. You handle that right now. I'm like, 
That's where metaphors and five-year-olds don't always mix very well, parents. Pro tip there. And, and I'm watching Justin. Like, he's like, well, the, that is, yes, yes, that's good biology, but also, and it's just it's like this, this funny moment of humor, and he kind of worked his way in and around, and we got there. Some conflict is humorous and even cute, and then some conflict is anything but. And we humans, we mere mortals, we struggle with conflict, don't we? We struggle with it in all sorts of different ways, depending on the scenario and depending on your personality. Sometimes we do everything possible to avoid conflict. Anybody like, yeah, that's me, you got me. I'm the Enneagram, whatever it is, nine or whatever it is, that's me, I avoid conflict. Some of you are like, just don't mention the dishes. Your roommate's like, don't mention the dishes, I just mentioned the dishes, right? Some of you avoid conflict. Some of you are like, did he, he must have prayed this morning because he just, he knows what's going on. Other times we bulldoze right in and handle conflict poorly, right? Like a bull in a china shop and we just, we destroy, we burn bridges and we destroy relationships in the process. Hashtag social media, right? This is the MO for conflict on social media. You're like, eviscerate people. And then you're like, oh wait, those were my friends. Not anymore. We avoid it, we bulldoze through it. Other moments, we're absolutely oblivious to the fact that it's even brewing in the first place. It like pff, smacks us upside the head. We're like, how did that happen with my kids? Where did that come from with my spouse? Like, it's been there the whole time. We struggle with conflict. But what if at the root of every potential brewing conflict is a life-transforming conversation if we knew how to do it right? I'm stunned watching Jesus here in John chapter four. Jesus finds himself in this back and forth dialogue with this individual who is clearly at every pass trying to take this brewing conversation and turn it into an adversarial conflict and yet it does not happen. In fact, what happens is Jesus takes this potentially contentious, brewing conflict of a conversation where this lady is trying to take it there at every pass and he turns it into a life-changing, soul-morphing, history-shaping, region-changing interaction. Could you use more conversations like that in your life? It's stunning what can happen when we engage and navigate conflict in deep and honoring ways. And I'm motivated this morning and I'm hoping that we can find help in the words and the ways of Jesus because I'm convinced that our inability to navigate conflict and crucial conversations in a godly and a healthy manner has caused us to miss so many transformational opportunities. Or to say it another way like this passage, I got me wondering this week how many women at the well conversations would have changed history, but we walked right past them. But what if there's a different way? What if we saw conflict not as a thing to be avoided, but like Jesus, what if we saw it as something not like our culture deals with, where there's a thing to be avoided or weaponized or monetized? Hello, somebody. What if we saw conflict as an opportunity to more deeply connect? By the way, we all know this. Every single deep relationship in your life comes in part through what? Conflict. In fact, what if conflict is actually the very thing that we've been running from, that we've been avoiding, that we've been doing so poorly? What if conflict is actually the very thing that's gonna lead us to the answer to our prayers and deepest desires, namely deep, organic, raw, real connection? What if 
we did conflict like Jesus. Could you imagine what would happen? I'm stunned at the way Jesus, like a master sailor, navigates brewing conflict, avoiding all of these potential storms and hazards and landing the ship safely in the harbor. It's astounding. And I want to invite you and I want to invite us to learn from Jesus this morning. Are you ready to dive in? Are you ready to dive in? All right, let's jump in here. Two stopping points along the way if we want to learn to handle conflict like Jesus. The first one is this, connect with their humanity. Everybody say humanity. Jesus begins by connecting with her humanity. Here's a problem. We struggle with conflict because we rarely connect with people that we do not know. And distance breeds suspicion. And so before Jesus goes in to meet the deepest longing of this woman's heart and soul with the good news of the gospel, he connects with her story. Take a look. We'll start in verse four. It said, now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria, except he didn't. It's the most interesting starting point of this entire situation. What most Jewish teachers would do, I mentioned the rift between Jews and Samaritans that the woman brings up. Up to this point, the Samaritans would have been a people group that would have been steeped in religious syncretism. They took a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of the Torah, a little bit of the way of God, and a little bit of the religion of the other nations, and so they would have been seen as religious traitors. On the flip side, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were so heavy-handed and often hypocritical in their religious stance. These two groups did not interact with one another to the extent that if any Jewish individual had to go past Samaria, they wouldn't go through Samaria, they would go all the way around Samaria. That's for your average Jewish male or female, let alone a Jewish rabbi and teacher. It was not done, and yet the scripture says Jesus had to go through Samaria. Why? The text doesn't tell us explicitly, but chapter five, right after this, I think gives us a window into what was happening. In John chapter five, Jesus says, check it out, I only do the things I see what? The Father doing. I'll tell you why Jesus had to go through Samaria. Because Father said so. Jesus had to go through Samaria. This is so, like, if you're wondering, like, Pastor John, I don't want to blow it so bad in conversations. Why does every single conversation turn out wrong? It's not what happens in the conversation that sets you up for success. It's how you enter the conversation. Jesus didn't roll into John 4, a woman at the well, haphazardly. Jesus, as was his custom all throughout the scriptures, spent time early in the morning with the Father, gets his marching orders, and then says, hey, disciples, we got to roll through Samaria. Disciples probably wanted no part of it. They went, they, they're like, oh, Jesus, we have to go get lunch, actually. Uh, we can't be here. And they left. But Jesus had to go through Samaria. Jesus was, if we want to echo off the last few weeks, Jesus' life was bathed and saturated in prayer. How did he know he had to go through Samaria? Because the Father said so. How did he know? Because he spent time with him in advance. Let me just ask you a question. How many of you think it would be a good idea uh, to approach conflict and a crucial conversation drunk? How many of you think that would be a good idea? That's gonna turn out well. Okay, how many of you think it would be a good idea to, to approach a crucial conversation and brewing conflict dead dog tired? How many think, yeah, by the way, we're, social scientists now tell us, you're like, I, I just feel so bold. Yeah, you're, you're bold like when you're drunk bold. You're foolish. That's what happens when you're dead tired. And I would argue that entering into a crucial conversation and brewing conflict in the flesh is equivalent to doing it drunk or tired. 
you're already set up for failure. Like husbands and wives, spouses, parents, here's a pro tip. Don't enter into conversations with your kids or spouse in the flesh. It's gonna go bad. Like, I'm so mad, I just gotta tell them, warning, warning, spirit of foolish is upon you, not the spirit of wisdom. Pause, pray. That's where worship music is great. If you're struggling with conflict and crucial conversations and they keep blowing up, here's a question. How prayerfully have you entered into that conversation? How bathed in prayer is that conversation? Jesus did not stumble into conflict. Jesus approached it with great intentionality. Jesus approached it, prayed up. How do I know? Because it was his custom and because he had to go to Samaria. Your prayerfulness before and your prayerfulness in the conversation invites God to transform the conversation. Pro tip number one, if you wanna do conflict like Jesus, bathe your life and your decisions and your conversations and especially your conflicts in prayer. Does that make sense? Are y'all tracking with me? Because when it comes to conflict, we need spirit-given wisdom. Look at how that fleshes out with Jesus. They go back and forth. He says, hey, can I get a drink? She's like, how are you? And, and she begins, she's not trying to meet anybody there, let alone a Jewish teacher or a Jewish rabbi. And we'll see why in subsequent verses because she's got a past and she's got some shame she's dealing with. And she, so she starts to throw back at Jesus. Well, 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 you don't even have anything to ask me for a drink. And Jesus jumps in verse 10. Well, if you knew the gift of God and who asked you, you uh, he would give you living water. She says, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw water with and the well's deep. P please tell me where you're gonna get this living water. And then she throws it out there. She says, are you greater than our father Jacob who built this well? Now this doesn't mean anything to you, but this was inflammatory argumentation 101 to Jews and Samaritans. This was one of their hot button issues. This would be like someone's talking to you and, and you're, watch, you're watching like Jeopardy and you're, you know, if you saw Black Jeopardy, the skit on Saturday Night Live, this is like, okay, you're, you're, you're vibing and then it's like, okay, well, which lives matter? And you're like, oh, uh, like this is the baited moment that's gonna divide in geopolitical conversation. This is, and she goes and she's like, well, 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 well I mean, who? And she's expecting any Jewish individual, let alone Rabbi Jesus, to be like, how dare you? Jacob is all, he is not, and she, and Jesus doesn't take the bait. So often, we're approaching crucial conversations and conflict, and we've got the right mindset. Maybe you even did come in prayed up, and you're like, man, I, I feel the weight of this. I gotta talk with my roommate, and man, they're going a science experiment, and the dishes again in the kitchen, and man, I gotta talk. And so you go in prayed up, and you start talking, and then they start talking about the shoes by the door, and all of a sudden, you're yelling about the shoes on the door, and you're like, how did I get here? Jesus didn't get distracted. Jesus didn't get baited. Jesus takes this conversation deeper. She says, well, is it Jacob or, 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 or do you think you're bigger than Jacob? You're better than Jacob? And Jesus is like, listen, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, verse 13, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. It'll become a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Jesus didn't take the bait. Jesus didn't go off on the tangent. Jesus didn't get inflamed by the tangential argument. Jesus is a genius at handling brewing conflict and crucial conversations. In our cultural context, we either run from conflict or we use it as a tool to beat, divide, and conquer other people. But Jesus did not use conflict in that way. Jesus, in fact, uses conflict and brewing conflict as a potential tool to build and heighten and deepen relationships and win hearts. 
and where we are so prone to misuse conflict as something that disconnects us, Jesus actually uses conflict as a way to connect at an even deeper level than before. If it happened just once, you'd be like, man, that's, that's pro-level stuff, Jesus. Like, what, what restraint? What wisdom? This is incredible. But it happens again. He does the whole living water thing, and, and they go back and forth a little bit, and she gets kind of salty about uh, the water, and then Jesus gets kind of salty about, well, go call your husband. They're, they're going back and forth, and it's this little sparring back and forth, and then, and then Jesus tosses out there some divine knowledge that he had. You're like, how in the world did Jesus know that? because he only did what he saw the Father doing? Like, how did Jesus know this? Because Jesus had access to the same Holy Spirit that we have access to, and he got a word of knowledge about this woman that he did not yet know in the natural. By the way, Jesus said, greater works than these you're gonna do. You're like, this is crazy. Yeah, this is what Jesus offered to his disciples. That one was for free. He says all this stuff, and she says, sir, and she realizes, right, Jesus, she's smoke, throwing out smoke screens, and Jesus keeps leaning into the heart level, and then she, he says the thing about the, the husbands, and she's like, oh, and it starts getting too close to home, so what does she do? She throws up another one of these religious hot-button arguments. She says, well, sir, I, I, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worship on this mountain, but your, your ancestors worship on Jerusalem, and she's trying to bait him again. This is another big hot button, Jews and Samaritans vis-a-vis, -vis, like this, she's expecting, she's like, this is getting a little too close to comfort. I don't really know this dude, but something is happening here. How does he know this about me? Who told him? I, my girlfriend that's always blabbing her mouth, I'm gonna get, like she doesn't know how he knows, but she, so she pushes the conversation away because it's getting a little too close to home. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? This is incredible. Jesus doesn't take the bait. He says, listen, it's not about that mountain and it's not about this woman. I'm not picking your sides here. God wants your heart. He said, God, God doesn't care about geography. I mean, he does, but he doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not about the mountain. It's about your heart. He said, God is looking for people that worship his spirit. Jesus takes this other smokescreen opportunity and it's brewing conflict and at any moment it can be combustive and Jesus does not go there. Full of the spirit and wisdom, Jesus takes it deeper. See, these smokescreen reality conversations are, are very real and it's, it's especially common in religious conversations. I remember I was talking to a college student one time and just on campus trying to build relationships and, and engage in spiritual conversation, the deep matters of the heart. And so I got into a really great conversation with, with a guy on campus and we were talking back and forth and, and we started getting into the faith and spirituality and, and then it started getting kind of heart, heart level, right? He was really starting to share and, and then he, he literally stepped back and he's like, okay, well, let me ask you this. And that's when you know, he's like, well, what about in other countries, in other places, other tribes? What about people in the jungle in another place of the world that have never heard the name of Jesus? How does that have to do? And I had blown it enough in spiritual conversations to know that was an issue, that was not the issue. By the way, the Bible has great answers. I could have gone apologetics and said, well, actually, and, you know, actually what, what, what happened and, and, and get into the Psalms and get into all that. And I was like, in the moment, I just sensed it. I'm like, with all the times I've absolutely blown it in spiritual conversations and gone off on these rabbit trails, I was like, hey man, that's a, that's a fair question. That's legitimate. There are answers for that. I said, but you and I aren't living in a jungle right now. So like, what's your story? He kind of laughed and he's like, oh, that's fair. 
I said, what's, what's been your experience with, with faith and, and God and, and spirituality? Like, we can talk about the jungle, but like, I kind of want, I'd rather talk about you if you're, you know, we're having a conversation. He's like, no, I, I, okay. Well, honestly, and then, and then it happened. He said, well, honestly, my dad got cancer. And, and I was really hoping that God would do something. And so I prayed every single day that God would do something. And I really thought that God was gonna do something. And I, I mean, I wasn't a big faith person. I knew I probably didn't deserve it, but I was still like God. And, and then my dad didn't get healed and my dad died. And so, yeah, if this God you're talking about is even real, he definitely doesn't care about me. And there was no crazy fireworks that happened after that conversation, but it was the beginning of a deepening of relationship that did lead to something very cool. All because Jesus, I'm trying to follow Jesus. He's, he's my leader, he's my rabbi, he's my CEO. And Jesus, when he's interacting with people, he just seems to lean in a little deeper than what's on the surface. He just seems to care a little bit more deeply than where everyone else is like, hey man, how you doing? Okay, cool. Takes an extra pause. And we're trying to follow Jesus. Jesus didn't get caught up in an issue, where to worship and, and mountaintop salvation, Jew and Samaritan. Jesus leans in with this woman and focuses on the issue, her shame and feelings of unworthiness because of her past. He goes for the heart. How would he know? The same way you and I would know, the Holy Spirit. Jesus is tuned in, Jesus is prayed up, and as a result, Jesus continues to lean in, and this potential brewing conflict does not blow up, it goes deeper. This relationship goes deeper. Here's a moment here of application smack dab towards the middle-ish of this thing. Roommates, you need to realize that sometimes the dishes aren't about the dishes. Lean in a little bit deeper. Ask God for wisdom in his heart to get to the root. Spouses, sometimes vacuuming isn't about the crumbs. Lean in a little bit deeper. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you his heart to go for the heart. Parents, sometimes the talk back isn't about the broccoli. Because I don't even know if that was created by God, to be honest. But if we could have a heart, my wife is cringing right now, wherever she's watching from. But if we could have the heart of God and the wisdom of the Spirit to lean in a little bit deeper, we might be able to find out what's at the root of that conflict. Jesus had spirit-revealed wisdom to see what was behind the conflict, and he didn't get distracted by the smoke screens and the issues. He always went for the heart of the person, not the issue at hand. First step is to connect with their humanity, which then means deep love leads us. After we connect with their humanity, if we're doing conflict like Jesus, point number two, we direct them to divinity. Everybody say divinity. God. We direct them to divinity. You connect with their humanity, direct them to divinity. Look how this story goes. She does the whole father's worship, this mountain, that mountain, and Jesus says, listen, there's a time coming where it's not gonna be about this or that mountain. God's looking for those who are gonna worship in spirit and in truth, that's who God's looking for. And this woman finally comes to the end of her defenses. And he gets to the heart. 
She says, I don't know, man. What are, you, what are you doing? Why are you here? No one goes to the well at noon. She says, the Messiah is gonna come. And it, it, this is also confusing for me. Anybody felt like that when it comes to religion and faith and spirituality? You're like, there's so many answers and so many paths. And so, this is also confusing for me. When Messiah comes, Mashiach, the, the, the promised one, the anointed, when Messiah comes, he'll make it clear. And Jesus says, great news, I'm here. It's interesting to me that this woman got what almost no one gets, Jewish or Gentile alike, in, in, in basically his entire ministry. This woman gets a this Samaritan, five husbands in, living with a dude who's not her husband, wrong gender, wrong race, wrong place, wrong. So she gets what almost no one gets in the entire ministry of Jesus, crystal clear confirmation on his identity. Why? Because I think Jesus gives a genuine answer to genuine doubts. Jesus, by the wisdom of the Spirit, has taken this potentially brewing conflict and he's taken it deeper and deeper and deeper and, and he's gotten her heart. And he's gotten to her core question and her core question is not about mountains and her core question is not about wells. Here's her core question. Listen, I don't, I don't really understand all this Jew, Samaritan, religious mumbo jumbo. I don't really understand any of it. And, and once Messiah gets here, I guess he'll make it all clear. And to be honest, when he does come, I don't even know if he's going to care about me at all. This woman's going at noon because she's disqualified herself, some through her own actions, some of what she's experienced and has been done to her. And at the core of this woman's heart is the lingering question, only Messiah can explain it. Only Messiah can help me. And I'm not sure if he even would. Somebody needs to hear this morning, maybe Guyana, maybe watching online, maybe right here in the room or all of the above. Jesus says, listen, I've got great news for you, lady. I am Messiah, and I care, and I care. It is, the, it is the hope, yeah, this is good news. It is the hope that echoes through the generations. Man, for anybody coming this morning, anybody listening under the sound of my voice that feels like you have disqualified yourself, that feels like you're too far gone, that feels like if God knew, which he does, everything that I've done, man, he wouldn't want anything to do with me. Oh, by the way, Messiah says, yeah, I know, and I do. And I do. See, if we could truly connect at the human level, we would then be able to see transformation as people connect at the divine level. Look what happens with this woman at the well. Verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they came out of the town and, and they made their way toward him. Some of you, you in this room, watching online in Guyana, you've experienced Jesus like this. You're like, John, what, Pastor John, what do you want me to do with this sermon? I want you to do what she did. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. I want us to do what she did. You're like, well, what if I don't know the answers to all of their questions? What, what if they're gonna ask me something I don't know? What if they get real theological and ask me about the tribes in another village? Whoever said that was a prerequisite for being available? 
This lady had one encounter with Jesus. She's like, I can tell him about that. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. By the way, probably not everything she ever did, right? But what the, the point is that she realized, dang, this joker knows all my dirty laundry and he still accepts and loves me. He is the Messiah. The longing of every human heart. Come see a man. Scripture says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our what? testimony, our story of our broken, jacked up lives and how Jesus redeemed them. I love the principle here revealed in the story, by the way. It starts with what she says and it ends with what he says. I need us to realize, you're like, well, if God really wanted to save somebody, he would just do it. Yes. And guess who he's commissioned? His broken people. Check this out. Verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, Jesus, because of the woman's testimony. Everybody say testimony. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. He stayed for two days. And because of his words, Jesus, many more became believers. And they said to that woman, man, could you imagine if this was your story? Could you imagine if this was your legacy? They said to this woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard it for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Through the life, through the simple testimony of this woman, this entire region gets changed. History thousands of years later is still telling this story. Can do not discredit the power of a heart with a simple story. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Here's a challenge. If you know Jesus, if you've experienced Jesus like this, I challenge you, I would love you to be sharing your story and your experience, your testimony with people every single day. College students, Nova, FIU, UM, wherever you might be, I would love, I dare, double dog spiritual dare you to be sharing your testimony every single day. Well, what if I don't know all the answers? That wasn't a prerequisite for her and it's not one for you. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. It started with what she said. And then number two, I challenge you to be growing actively and progressing in your faith and knowledge of God by reading his word and spending time with him in dialoguing prayer every single day because it ends with what he says. Maybe you're here today and you haven't experienced Jesus like this. Maybe a friend invited you, which by the way, they invited you because they care about you and Jesus is probably the best thing they've ever experienced in their entire life. And with great things, you want to share them with great people you love. Maybe you're here and you're like, I, I haven't experienced this Jesus like this. I don't have that experience. The great news is you can, and today could be your day. See, because the ultimate reason we're not connecting and we struggle to connect with people is because we're not connected with him. I'm going to land it here, and then we'll close in a final chorus of worship together. This woman in verse 25 in her moment of exasperation responds to Jesus and says, listen, I know that Messiah, the Christ, when he comes, he's gonna explain everything to us. And Jesus says, I who speak to you am he. So often in conflict, what is actually happening in the midst of this moment is we're just missing each other. We're just, we're, we're using similar ideas, but we're, we're on different pages. If we could really understand, we're actually, we actually have so much more in common than we have that divides and separates us. But the problem with conflict is that we miss each other over and over and over again. And we don't just miss people. Oftentimes we miss God. 
And scripture tells us that God so loved humanity, he so loved you, he so loved us, that he realized they're not gonna be able to speak heaven like this woman. They're gonna get confused. They're gonna be in a spot where they're like, I don't really know. There's so many paths and options and ideas and I'm not sure. And so God knew we could not speak heaven, so he came down to speak earth. This is the gospel. And Jesus, the compassion and love and mercy of God incarnate says, listen, I got great news for you. You don't have to wait for some pie in the sky hope anymore. Hope is here. Hope is Jesus. This woman is thirsty for truth. Some of you in this room, some of you watching online might be thirsty for truth. And you've got your issues and you've got your pet conversations and you've got your smoke screens and you're really good at navigating that conversation. But you know in the privacy of your own heart, you are open and searching for truth. You would love it if you could find it. And I need to let you know this morning, you do not have to find it any longer. Truth found you and his name is Jesus. And you've been searching for satisfaction and you've been searching for fulfillment and you've been searching for peace and you've been searching for joy in all of these different places and you've been searching for it in relationships and you've been searching for it in security and you've been searching for it in jobs and you've been searching for it in status and you've been searching for it in all of these different places and it seems to hit until it doesn't anymore. And it leads you to searching again. What is the it that you're counting on? What is the it? that you're waiting on. It hasn't worked because it's not an it, it's a who. It's him. So many of our story in this room is that we found this this man who told us everything we ever did. We found this Jesus and all of a sudden, all of the things we thought we needed, we didn't need the things, we just needed him and somehow everything else comes with it. Why don't you join me as we pray? You can bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment of quiet and privacy. This is a a moment here between you and God. If you're here in the room, if you're watching online, if you're over there in Guyana right now in person, I wanna give you a moment for what we rarely have an opportunity for in our fast moving culture, an examination of the soul. Maybe your body's healthy. Lots of talk about physical fitness, or even starting to talk about mental health, but how's the health of your soul? Maybe you're here this morning and you've been introduced to religion. Maybe you've even got a track record with church, but, but it's all fallen short. I have great news for you this morning. The longing of the human heart is Jesus. He's the answer. He's the leader, he's the Lord, he's the Prince of Peace, he's the desire of every heart. And when we lean in fully to him and what he and who he is, everything changes. If you're here this morning and you wanna turn to Jesus as Lord and Messiah, the one who knows it all like this woman experienced and he still loves you in spite of it all, he is the longing of your heart. You just have to say yes. If you're in the room, if you're watching online, even just look up to heaven right now and say, yes, you got me. I'm listening. Jesus, you have my attention and you have my affection. I'm yours. 
we'll close out our service and before we all go out and college students enjoy a free lunch and we get to connect with one another, we're gonna have some of our prayer partners up here. I'll invite them up in just a moment. Before you leave this morning, your soul is worth some time and attention. We're gonna sing a final chorus. And as soon as we do, I'd invite you to come forward. We'd love to pray with you, encourage you in your faith journey. Maybe you're here and, and you've already begun this journey following Jesus. But this morning you sense God by his spirit tapping you on the shoulder, spurring you to recommit or commit maybe for the first time to loving others enough to share your story with them. Maybe it's been a few weeks, months, years, or decades since you've shared your story and your testimony. Consider yourself officially commissioned by the love, compassion, and mercy of Jesus to say again to that coworker that you care about, to that neighbor that you hang out with all the time, hey, have I told you the story about how Jesus changed my life? Come see a man. If you resonate there, you just say, God, and, and I really, I was praying this all week long, that for any hearts that are like, man, I, I want to get back on the mission, the rescue mission with Jesus. Even right there, you're like, what do I do? Just ask God right now in your chair, wherever you're watching from, God, give me a shot this week. Like give me an opportunity this week. And I'll do it, I'll go for it. Lord, give your people love and boldness.